Hello my lovelies and welcome back to yet another episode of Karapa Moyo. I am your host Anne and we will journey together to imagine the healing pleasure and joy of African women. Today's episode is all about that money and every good thing it can buy. I am joined by the magnetic somatic practitioner, a magician, a lover, and 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 to <laughs> me welcome i'm so excited to have you here <laughs> i'm so excited to be here and to be described as magnetic that's like my favorite favorite description ah <laughs> oh, you are <laughs> um yeah i would like to take this moment to just invite you to introduce yourself in the way that you're showing up as right now in this particular moment Amazing. Um, well, hello, dear listener. Uh, my name is Dumi. I am a magician, a somatic practitioner, um, and I do a lot of work around money and healing money wounds and trauma around money. Um, and I am a lover. I always describe myself as that because like, I love love. I feel so strongly about the power of love to change and transform the world and our society and that like love heals everything you know people will say this often but <laughs> the depth of it when you really understand it is immense and so that is who I am right now always transforming though you know so <laughs> in a year it might be different uh-huh no I absolutely love that um and so could you then share what inspired your journey to healing your relationship with money and extending that work um, to your community? Mm, yeah. Um, so my journey started when I was, you know, training in different healing modalities and kind of preparing to step into my role as a somatic practitioner, a coach, but more generally just a healer. Like I knew I wanted to do healing work. I knew that that was an important part of my life path and my life story. And so I was like, okay, <laughs> let's, let's do that. And, you know, and I trained and, and did all my years of studying and then I had to open my business and actually ask people for money, <laughs> you know, novel concept, business, money. And I was always someone who like in college, I made fun of my friends who were in entrepreneurship classes. I was just like, ugh, losers, capitalism, blah, la 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 la. I was like so anti-money and so anti-business and so anti-entrepreneurship. So it was really funny to like find myself in this position where I was running my own business and then as I was doing that, I realized like, it's actually really uncomfortable for me to ask for money. And I continually undercharge, I continually devalue my work. I feel like I shouldn't even be making money, I shouldn't even be receiving money. Like I just realized that there was all this yeah, 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 <laughs> hidden content <laughs> underneath my relationship with money. And then I started to realize like, oh, a lot of it is inherited. I grew up in a community of artists and activists and, and healers. And like in these communities, there can be a lot of, I, you know, kind of reference like the starving artist archetype or like the martyred healer archetype. Um, and there's the sense of like give and give and give, but don't allow yourself to receive. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And so then I started doing money work inside myself first and foremost 
And then I realized that like, holy goodness, I was going to swear. Um, <laughs> I'm making a lot more money now. And it made me realize that like, there really is something to doing the internal work, which can shift our external realities. Mm. Um, yeah. And you, you mentioned something about having trauma um, around money. So what does it mean to have like that wounded relationship with money? Yeah. So all of us have trauma around money. <laughs> like, congratulations. If you're listening to this, you have trauma around money. <laughs> like, yay. Um, and <laughs> this is because of the society that we grow, grew up in, you know, like all of us grew up and were raised under capitalism and under growth. I just want to make sure we're still together. Growth, growth, growth. Um, and and specifically economic growth you know like measured by like gdp and all these things like that's such a big part of capitalism just more 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 expand 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 take more resources take more resources without living in harmony with the earth and most of us also living under capitalism grow up with some level of scarcity around money so we see our parents stressing about money we see our community stressing about money like we very early on this is, uh, this is for the vast majority of people. You know, there are some exceptions to this rule. Um, but even if our parents are wealthy, they can still stress about money. Like we live in a, a state of chronic stress. There are billionaires who stress about money. And there are people who have like less than $100 in their bank account that stress about money. Like it actually isn't about the external circumstances. It's a nervous system state of constant anxiety and scarcity in relationship to money. Um, and that's just the, the playing field that we're all in because of how we've seen money used, because we need money for our survival. So, of course, there's charge in our bodies about, like, having to get that money. Mm -hmm. um, and then that means that we inherit all kinds of messages about how we should be in relationship to money. Like, I should always be stressed or I should always be wanting money or I should always be saying that there's not enough money. You know, like, whatever that underlying story is that we have about money, it moves with us through our entire lives yeah um and i mean you mentioned something about capitalism which like leads me to ask you can i be against capitalism and still have a good relationship with money i love this question because yes <laughs> um i've been thinking about this question a lot lately because for the longest time i thought capitalism equals money mm -hmm. In my mind, they were just the same thing. Capitalism, money. So if capitalism's bad, money is bad. Any means of receiving money, bad. And money has existed long before capitalism. In the same way that markets and trade have existed long before capitalism. So divorcing these two is really important for us to understand that like, oh, humans have always bartered, exchanged, and also needed resources to do that, you know, and resources, whether it was from the physical, you know, from land, from like um, the resources that we use to sustain ourselves, or, you know, we turn uh, those resources into a symbolic thing called money that then we use to exchange to meet more of our needs. But money is just a way for us to meet our needs, or at least that's how it can be. In this world, it's really been used to do lots of kinky things like exploit and control and have power over and dominate, you know, um, but it is totally possible to be anti-capitalist and to have a healed relationship with money, because even in a post-capitalist society, we will still engage with money. 
The difference is that money will be more equally distributed. Resources will be more equally distributed versus now where they're concentrated in the hands of billionaires. And, you know, the vast majority of the world has like a tiny, tiny percentage of that wealth. Mm, um, I love how you explain that. Um, so... I mean, I know people tend to say, oh, money can't buy happiness, you know, you must choose love over money. I mean, all these amazing, interesting things. And, but then when we look at the things that actually bring us joy, like for myself, I love reading. Okay, so mm. I, I need a new book once in a while, every day if possible, but I need money. Mm. <laughs> you know? So I'm like, money kind of buys my happiness and kind of brings me joy. So yeah, to what extent can money bring us pleasure? Mm, I love this question. Um, I was really thinking about it before this call and I'm the same. Like there's so many things that money buys me that bring me a lot of pleasure. You know, um, the food that I eat, the the vacations that I go on, the places that I stay in, things like books, or for me, it's like crystals. I love crystals, <laughs> you know, and like I, I add flowers for my altar. I love having flowers every week. Like that is just such a beautiful indulgence for me. And it brings so much joy into my life. I think where people, there's there's this conflation, because even with you saying, like, we must choose love or money, there's like this strange thing happening in our psyche where we think they can't coexist, like, you can have love and money, <laughs> you know, there's no either or rule in the universe, but because we've seen people exploit, and I would say that this is really a consequence of patriarchy because like under patriarchal capitalism, you know, there's this emphasis on accumulating resources and and specifically i would say for men because that's like the height of power and patriarchy men must accumulate resources and choose there's this wonderful quote that someone said and i can never remember who it was but they said under patriarchy men men can have love or power but not both at the same time mm -hmm. and i thought that was so fascinating because it's not actually men can have true power within themselves we can all have true power within themselves but it's as Bell Hook said, you can't dominate and have love at the same time because love yeah. can't coexist in context of domination or abuse. And so if we're using money to control and dominate, then we will have to choose. <laughs> but we don't have to choose that relationship with money. We can actually choose to be in a really loving, reciprocal relationship with money where we honor the changes of cycles there's periods of growth there's periods of constriction whereas capitalism only wants there to be growth like it can only be growth never constriction um, so we can learn to be in harmony with the spirit of money and then money can come in to support us right like books bring you so much happiness so money allows you to get books massages bring me a lot of happiness <laughs> money allows me to get massages <laughs> organic food brings me a lot of happiness money allows me to buy that but as long as we think that money itself will bring us the happiness then we're mistaken like you holding or me holding these gold coins these paper notes in my hands that isn't going to fill me up but what i can do with money could very well bring me joy pleasure happiness and mm. you know and support right security especially in this world where money can buy us food shelter safety healing support um and things like books just to feel pleasure and learn uh -huh. yeah. no that's exciting um so i'm on tiktok bam 
And I come across mm. videos of people saying, oh, I manifested my ex back into my life under this moon <laughs> and got a paper burnt to paper and all of that. Can we mm. manage money as well? Because I'm trying to get money. You said, I'm trying to figure it out. We absolutely can. Um, mm. But what people, I love like the, the, um, what is the word I'm looking for? The increase in conversation around law of attraction, manifestation, like it's entering our collective consciousness in a bigger way than it ever has before in Earth's history, as far as we understand Earth's history. So like, that's amazing. And then we can go on TikTok and have these conversations about manifestation. What people get wrong about manifestation is that it's just sitting here and being like, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. I'm a billionaire. And <laughs> I'm a billionaire, I'm a billionaire, I'm a billionaire. <laughs> and like, if that works for you, amazing. Um, but what I find with a lot of people um, is that when they are doing all of that attracting work, they're not looking at their personal shadow and how their personal shadow is saying, I don't actually want to be wealthy. So people just use manifestation, which in magic we would call a coagula practice. Mm -hmm. So if you think about like a butterfly, when it goes through its cocooning phase, it goes into, it goes, it starts as a caterpillar, it goes into the cocoon, it becomes goop in the cocoon, and then it reforms as the butterfly, it coagulates. So manifestation is a coagulating practice. It's a way of bringing the goop together. But if you don't dissolve the goop, you're just using the same content that created your past reality. So it doesn't actually change all that much. So in magical practice, then we have work that we call solve, which is to dissolve. You need to do the dissolving work first. And that's where this like money trauma work comes in because you're dissolving the past beliefs, the past conditions, the past embodiments that you had around wealth so that you can re-coagulate them into a much more healed archetype and blueprint for wealth that will attract more money. But you can definitely manifest money. Yes, it's just that you have to do both phases. <laughs> um, yeah. And a great resource that I would just recommend for you and for everyone listening is the book Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. It is an incredible book about manifestation, but from a shadow perspective, so that people can begin to actually do the solve work. Um, and dissolve before they recoagulate into their wealthy reality. Um, that's awesome. And I mean, I think just like with any healing journey, you can't like undo like 20 years of learned trauma overnight and all of that. So what are like common blockages that people face when trying to heal this specific relationship with money? Because we don't hear a lot about healing like someone healing their relationship with money it's just oh you used mm -hmm. to be poor and now you have to just shift into um working towards getting money but no one talks about our thoughts and yeah how we relate to money in general mm. amazing question once again <laughs> um so what i would say the kind of the main block that people are going to face when they're healing their relationship with money is that everyone has a set point Mm -hmm. And your set point is essentially based on your cultural conditioning, your family of origin, what you've seen around money growing up, that's going to be like your bar. In some ways, it's your ceiling. Mm -hmm. That's like you'll let yourself get up to that point 
But anywhere above that point, it feels weird, unsafe, unknown. You don't know anyone who's done it. You might have concerns. Something that comes up for people a lot is fear of being different from the communities that they came from. So now if I have so much money, than, more money than my family has ever had or than my community has ever had, will I be seen as a sellout? Will I be seen as bad? Will people want me only for my money? Will I stop being, will people stop seeing me as a whole complex person? Mm-hmm. So all this stuff happens and then we get afraid and then we say, I'll just keep myself here. I'll just, I'll just keep myself here. And so the first thing that I would say for people to look around at their money blocks is literally to look around you at your family and at your community, at the people closest to you and say, what is their relationship with money? How much do I see them allowing themselves to earn? That is very likely your ceiling. It doesn't mean that you can't break past that, but you have to know that that's the place that your body feels most safe and it's the place that you're gonna keep coming back to. So I would say like that is one of the biggest blocks. And just to give some context there, it's because the body is always wanting to protect us. The body is always going to orient towards safety and familiarity over unknown mystery. And so if what's safe and familiar is under earning, under charging, under receiving, and being um, in a constant place of scarcity around money, there's not enough. I don't know how I'm going to make it to the next month. I don't know how I'm going to earn money for that. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Then you're just going to keep yourself there. So that's like big, big block. And then I would say in that, there's a lot of core beliefs that I see people have around money. Mostly, I don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. I'm not valuable enough to be able to receive this or what I offer the world isn't valuable enough. Um, I don't deserve it. I'm not valuable enough. I'm not worthy. Um, I will be a sellout or a capitalist if I receive money, that's like a big one, especially for artists, healers, creative entrepreneurs, people who care about the world, that like, I'm going to be a capitalist sellout is a big one. Um, I'm going to be disconnected from my community, right? Because this one, I want to give some context to, this is actually one of the biggest blocks I see around money, because we're used to bonding with each other over scarcity. We we don't realize this. (laughs) Thank you, (laughs) we're bonding with each other over lack over that feeling of not being able to know how we're going to get to each month all of these become like these beautiful rituals of community bonding so as soon as we're like wait well if I had enough money to know where resources are going to come from I wouldn't be able to bond with people in the way that I've bonded with them. So it immediately threatens our sense of relationship. And as humans, we are wired for connection. We will do anything to maintain connection, including keeping ourselves in scarcity. Um, So those are some of the big ones, I would say, Mm -hmm. that really keep people um, trapped. And they're also totally workable, but it's so important first to become aware of them. And that's part of the healing process. Mm amazing <laughs> so <laughs> including your like joining your magic money uh, your money magic coven um because that's something that you offer what steps can we start taking towards like building a fulfilling relationship with money yeah i would say the first step is awareness 
Mm-hmm. So even just by you sitting down to listen to this podcast, and like now I'm speaking to you, dear listener, even with you sitting down to listen to this podcast, you're probably thinking more deeply about money and specifically the internal components around your relationship with money than you have at other points in your life, you know? So already, like just you being here for this episode is a huge step. Um and then I would say that with that, it's it's the awareness piece. So Young has this amazing quote that like I will use often in my work, which is, until we make the unconscious conscious, it will rule our lives and we will call it fate. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. Um, and so what's happening with most of us is our relationship with money is deeply unconscious. And so it rules our lives and we call it fate. So the biggest step, the best magic that you can do is making the unconscious conscious. And that begins with like literally just thinking about your relationship with money, contemplating your relationship with money, taking a moment after this episode to sit down and be like, what did I learn about money from my parents and from the people that surrounded me growing up? What did I see in their relationships with money? What did I see them doing around money habitually? You know, did I see, some people will say, like, I saw my father controlling my mother with money. Um, I saw my mother, this is like with me, I saw my mom always stressing about money, just constantly in this state of like, there's not going to be enough. There's not going to be enough. There's not going to be enough. So noticing that and then noticing where you might either be playing out that pattern or because you don't want to play out that pattern, you're avoiding money altogether. So because I don't want to be like my father who used money to manipulate my mom, I'm just going to stay away from money altogether. And so becoming aware of those things, so important. Um, I would say reading Existential Kink, it is the best book that you could ever read to heal your wounds around money. Like I will shout it from the rooftops a hundred times. Um, and finally... I have a podcast episode about this, actually, um, that I'm about to release this week on my podcast, Practical Magic Made Easy. And it's this episode is about noticing in your body how you feel when you spend and receive money. So a lot of us don't notice what's happening in our bodies when we engage with money. But then when we start to notice, we'll notice like, oh, every time I swipe my card, I, I notice a tension in my body. I'm like clenching, right? Like there's this part of me that's like, oh, I don't know where that money's going to come from. <laughs> right? Or I like look away, like I disassociate, you know, it's kind of like just kind of like this, like, oh, I'm just going to swipe and deal with the consequences <laughs> later. Um and in the same way, what might surprise some people listening to this is when you receive money, you might notice equal tension. So we assume that when we receive money, we're just like, la, this is so fun. I love money. A lot of us will have like, I constrict once again, in the same way that when I spend money, I constrict when I receive money. It makes me so uncomfortable. And so listening to that episode and then beginning to think about how does my body respond Because we spend money almost every day or receive money almost every day. Like money is being exchanged pretty regularly. We're buying airtime, we're buying food, we're paying for a subscription, you know, even if it's something that's like a bulk payment every month, like our rent, you know, we're still technically paying for that every day. So money is always moving through us and actually stopping to notice how does it feel for me when money moves through me will do so much for your relationship with money because then you can start to say oh how can I consciously breathe when I spend money how can I affirm like I'm spending money but it's going to come back to me it always does 
right? Like I'm fine. Because <laughs> um, we start to rewire, yeah, <laughs> our nervous system to feel safe around money, and that's how we receive more of it. Oh man, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how much I can thank you, but I cannot thank you enough for sharing this wisdom with us. Um, mm. You've got me thinking. I mean, we're having this conversation. I'm like, oh, we're going to release this and it's for everybody. But I'm like, well, this was like a personal attack. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about my own relationship with money. So thank you so much um, for sharing your wisdom with us. And yeah, mm. just before we close off the episode, if there's anything that, like if there's one thing you would want us to take away from this entire conversation, what would it be? your relationship with money deserves your attention Ooh, that's it (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean thank you once again for being here you've been an absolute Mm -hmm. delight and super grateful and i can't wait for everybody to listen to this yeah me too thank you so much thank you for listening to today's episode as always Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram and sign up for our monthly newsletter. And if you feel led to, support the work that we do by buying us some coffee. Have an amazing day and see you whenever you hear from us.